Or like how when Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, you know, uh, broke into the Bronx Zoo and was attacked by a grizzly bear in order to reenact that scene for himself. Um, Would that be method acting? Not technically. (laughs) Hollywood has has co-opted this term and actually changed the connotation of what it means. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why we have story. It, it now means being as big an asshole as possible. <laughs> right. to your guys it now, it now means, means putting yourself in danger in any situation so that <laughs> you can win an Oscar. Every chance you get. It's like Jared Leto sending used condoms use, to people on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an excuse to be a major, major asshole on set. Everybody, I'm Pax. I'm Hal. And this is Brotakus, the show where two guys who love anime do a deep dive on what isn't isn't worth watching. We believe you don't need a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, and strange art form, and we mm-hmm. are so lucky to have you on this journey with us. Shout out to all our Brotakus and Doji and Shees, all our non-binaries, mm-hmm. all of our homies and homosexuals, everybody out there listening to Brotakus. We love you so much. Thank you for your support. Uh, it's the highlight of my week, and I love doing this. And you love listening, so we're going to give you that content. Eat it up. Eat up your slop. <laughs> now, now today, we actually have, we normally do our guest intros and we lead them on, um, but there's a bit of a surprise twist today. So first of all, oh. hi Katie, hi Julia, how are you doing? Good. Oh, awesome. This is awesome. Thank you for having us. We're so happy to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. So um, the little surprise for today is that normally uh, Hal or I write the bios for our guests, but this time I reached out to uh, to one of your best friends each and had them write a little oh, customized bio for you. And so uh, I'm going to lead off with the one that's pretty concise, and then I'm going to go lead on to the one for the individual who went absolutely sicko mode. And so uh, leading off today, to explain who these beautiful voices are to our audience and who these beautiful faces are if you're listening to the Brotaku's YouTube channel, first off, Caitlin A. Place is a Gordon Ramsay super fan, Hank Azaria Stan, and Cat Mama hailing from Belchtown, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. She's best known for telling people to CC her on emails, saying, cool, when approached to eat calzones, and her New York... In her New York Times bestseller, Jean Jeffrey's Diary, today was the worst day of my entire life. Mm. She's one of the hosts of the Playbook podcast, ladies and gentlemen. All our homies out there, <laughs> Katie Fitzpatrick. Hello. Hello, thank you so much. Thank you so much to the beautiful mystery person who wrote that bio. Um, that was beautiful and wonderful, and I think it should go. I think it should just be my bio for the rest of my life. <laughs> Absolutely, we could work. Th- we could work that out with the writer. We could work okay, out a perfect. use fee. Perfect. Um, next up, uh, sh- this is going to be a. <laughs> This is going to be a journey. So let's see. <clears throat> Next up. Mm-hmm. Julia Marie Black is an American playwright, <laughs> lyricist, and stage director. She collaborated with composer Alan Menken on several works and is most widely known for his work on feature films for Walt Disney <laughs> Animations, for which Ashman wrote the lyrics and Menken composed the music. <laughs> Miss Black and Menken began their collaboration with the musical God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, for which Julia directed and wrote both books and lyrics. 
Horrors. Mm-hmm. Their next musical, Little Shop of Horrors, for which Julia again directed and wrote both book and lyrics, became a long-running success, which led to a 1986 feature film. At Disney, the duo worked on the films The Little Mermaid, which began what is considered to be the Disney Renaissance and Beauty and the Beast. After his death, some of Miss Black's songs were included in another Disney film, Aladdin. Okay, this is about Howard Ashman. This is, this is Howard Ashman. This one's on you, Julia. I'm not playing into this section anymore. Uh, I am, I'm not going to let Howard Hashbrown take over this bio. Next section. High school student Julia Black, played by Kristen Stewart. Fuck. High school student Julia Black... Always a bit of a misfit, doesn't expect life to change much when she moves from sunny Arizona to rainy Washington State. And then she meets Edward Cullen, Robert Pattinson, a handsome but mysterious teen whose eyes seem to peer directly into her soul. Edward is a vampire whose family does not drink blood, and Bella, far from being frightened, enters into a dangerous romance yeah. with her immortal son. I'm not doing this. Next up. A hostess at which could only be described as home to the best motherfucking calzones in the Binghamton area. Julia Marie Black is Kicking Ass is a multi-hyphenated person, artist, everything, hostess, podcast, co-hostess, playwright, screenwriter, poet, dancer, singer, lover of Howard Ashman, former dog sitter, film score expert, Twilight enthusiast, Rocket Man enthusiast, Rachel Bloom enthusiast, intern for the coolest concert, and beyond with the coolest co-host intern, Matthew B. Collins, <laughs> actor, t- actor and T-lover. These hyphens really do cover a lot of the wonderful human that is Miss wow. Julia Black. When she's not drinking absurd amounts of peach tea, she's working on a play in development about how everything could feel like the end of the world and a horror movie. But let's be honest, she is drinking peach tea while writing these scripts. That's accurate. <laughs> Co-host of the Playbook Podcast, listeners, Miss Julia Black. Can I have your resume? Can I have like, like that sounds great? It's incredible. Oh my god, incredible. I'm crying. I did not expect yeah. that at, at this time in the morning. Oh my gosh! I, as soon as you said calzones, I knew exactly who wrote it. <laughs> it is it is okay so um that said everybody doing good okay after that gauntlet are we feeling emotionally prepared for the topic today no no i'm gonna be up this packs no no uh right now for for all of you watching and listening it is 9 41 in the morning here in uh in new york which doesn't seem early but it feels early it feels early And, and i've already had half a cup of coffee i'm thinking about having another later on in the day but coffee just doesn't hit the same when you make it every single day of your life for other people. <laughs> what do you so, mean? <laughs> so I actually kind of avoid it now. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, may I recommend the uh, the Gentleman Gamers drink of choice, a uh, Bang Energy Drink. G-fuel, bang G-fuel, 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 G-Fuel. Sigma Male, Sigma Male Sigma Energy. Male. So everybody, leading into the topic today, because we got we to gotta, we gotta boogie with this. We got a lot yes, to talk about it. today. Uh, normally we do a news roundup. The news is just going to be about the topic we're talking about, because this is going to be a thing where, yeah, we're bringing the same Brotaku's love and energy. We're having a good time. Um, but we're talking about a pretty dark topic today. And like all resilient survivors of trauma and abuse, we're, you know, we're getting through it and we're finding power in the darkness. And yeah, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of darkness. So I kind of want to leave the what the fuck are we talking about today? I should say the F word less to my lovely co-host, Hal. <laughs> Hal is a renowned actor, singer, playwright who mm-hmm. worked with Howard Ashby in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Hal. Mm-hmm. Hal, what are we talking about today? So we're talking about uh, a, a recent sort of, um, what should I say, explosion of bullshit that has just occurred. And I don't mean bullshit as in like, oh, this is nonsense and it shouldn't be occurring. I mean, this is just an absolute 
nightmare of, of a yeah. scenario for, um, for a lot of consumers of a certain anime and manga and for, um, and for a lot of sexual uh, assault survivors out there. This is something that is going to strike home with a lot of people. Uh, recently, recently, um, Oh, and, and real see. quick, blanket content warning for anybody listening. We're going to talk yes. about um, we're going to talk about assault in this episode. We're going to talk about um, if you have like any negative experience relating to acting or a teacher. Like I think that this is very you know kind of the darkness we're going to talk about. But um, if you're comfortable with it, come along with us. And uh, Hal, you ready? Yes, I'm sorry about that. All right, great. So um, so first first lead in with the the work that we're talking about and then give us the, the twist at the end. So what is the what is the work that is being discussed today? So currently we're discussing the uh, the situation that is sort of unraveled around the manga act age uh, and also anime act age. Um, recently, the writer was um, indicted for a couple of sexual assault cases. Um, the writer Tatsuya Matsuki um, was recently indicted for actually only one of two instances of sexual assault in between, like an hour apart from each other, where he rode up on a bike behind two different, uh, underage girls and, and, uh, grabbed, like groped them on the street and then rode off on a bike, like, like a, like a anime villain. Um, but like one of the really, really bad ones, like Team Rocket, if they were like molesters. Um, yeah, he's like if Moomin Rider from One Punch Man was played by Woody Allen. But, like, that's yes, his exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And, and this is sort of when this came about, um, Basically, it nuked Act Age off of every platform. Everyone was like, absolutely not. We're going to take it off. Shueisha said, nope, no more. We're not publishing any more of this. Um, but it's placed the, not only the survivors, but also the artist for um, Act Age in kind mm -hmm. of a precarious situation because the artist, um, Shiro Usazaki, um, really has nothing to do with the situation. She has nothing to do. And she is one of like three like successful mangaka artists that are mm -hmm. female in the industry right now. And so what's happening is everyone's trying to figure out like, oh, you know, uh, should the writer be punished more? Should he be, um, should there be like more happening with the situation? Should the, what is the artist going to be facing right now? Mm -hmm. um, how are the survivors going to deal with this from now on? Because there's this weird, reaction that fans get when all of their content is just nuked off of the platform people are going to get weird and crazy so that's mm -hmm. what we're discussing today and <laughs> I, I won't waste all the juice right now but it's a big bundle of nonsense and just like insanity yeah so so already little modicum of justice unlike here in america where we're still arguing about if we should ban the dr seuss book that has the line the bell goes ding ding dong and the chinaman goes ching ching you know like while we're still <laughs> having like those arguments <laughs> um mm -hmm. act age has been basically nuked off of every mainstream site um it is something where we found it on an alternate site, but primarily we're going to talk about the sort of role of abusers in the entertainment industry, how we should kind of best um, uh, deal with this if you're a, a fan of material that an, an abuser has made, um, but also the whole angle, which we're all pretty familiar with as people who have worked with some really deeply screwed up individuals in the entertainment industry, of the fact that Shiro Suzaki, this illustrator tied up in all of this, they just met online because he <laughs> won like a story contest, which of course these losers and just uh, terrible writers are the ones mm. who bring home the prize but um she started out as an illustrator and this was her first manga and she's pretty talented like the 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 art initially you could tell i think it's her first work but it it grows a lot more confident as it goes on mm. yeah and with that said 
we have two fantastic, experienced, wise, uh, kind actresses here. Um, and Howard Ashman. And Howard, <laughs> Howard Ashman. And so um, being host of, of your own podcast, The Playbook Podcast, talking about art, um, and with your own experience as, act- as actors, just what are initial reactions or kind of thoughts that come up in, in the wake of the scandal? It's unfortunately not surprising. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that that's the worst part is that it's it's something that I think we've all seen far too many times as people who are in the entertainment industry. And there's a lot of stuff that happens that we all kind of um, unintentionally um, and unknowingly let slide, um, either mm-hmm. for the sake of forwarding our own careers, because that's the only way you get anywhere, um, or the sake of being scared of what other people will do if we say something about it. Um, and, you know, so I think, I think it's, uh, it is scary that it is still so present and Mm -hmm. that it seems like it's, we're not getting anywhere. We're not moving forward and nothing is changing. It seems like bad things happen and we give them justice. And I say that in air quotes because it's only justice some of the time. Somehow there's like justice and then we move on and then it happens again. And there's no mm-hmm. actual change mm-hmm. to make that stop happening. We just try to s- stop the individual cases of it. Um, and I think that that plagues the industry as a whole because there are so many so many people in the industry who have taken advantage of you know, their status or their power, you know, whatever it might be um, to kind of, you know, feed off of, of people who might be, you know, a little bit more um, innocent or, or literally just trying to get work, <laughs> just trying mm-hmm. to work, yeah. you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so, so Julia, I'm curious if you could speak on this. Why are abusers and just absolute sex pests and creeps attracted to specifically the entertainment industry and what what is it about kind of like the the growth from like high school college onward that that kind of attracts this nature you have any insight there i i think it's a combination of things i think first of all the reason that we see so much traffic there and i'm i'm no expert by any means but i think a huge part of it is that the thing that i kept thinking about while reading this is how many young women particularly have tied their identities to this work like when you when you Mm. watch something when you consume it obviously we joked that like julie loves twilight and julie loves howard ashman like you tie a bit of yourself to the stuff you love Mm -hmm. and the thing that i couldn't help thinking about during all of this is how many how many young women have had this thing that they love tainted and this because like as someone who has dealt with um, a stalker situation in the past, like there's a whole chunk of my life that I don't like to think about and a whole chunk of my life that I don't like to see pictures of or art from or anything that I made in that time because it's just too gross to think about. Mm-hmm. And and that was a minor situation in comparison to like what this person did. And I think because so many young people are consumers of art and consumers of entertainment, it's a very easy pathway for abusers to find targets because it's all about how do I find targets? That's why you see abusers at 
you know, things that are for children. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I knew of a really questionable person who worked at a minor league baseball stadium. Like, how many kids get lost on their way trying to find their parents or something like that? Like, you, th- it's mm-hmm. all about um, strategy. And with this, like, we talked a little bit before we started about, like, Dan Schneider and Victorious and iCarly. And obviously this is all alleged, but that is the perfect opportunity to get young, impressionable people into a space with no adult supervision. And you notice in those shows particularly, there's no adult actors on set. It's all about, like, Mm. the kids who are living in a parent-free world. So you don't Mm -hmm. even have older actors there to protect the younger actors from people who could be preying upon them. And that is such a that's such a brilliant point, because yeah. even in act age, they establish almost like the Disney princess backstory where it's mm-hmm. like there once was a young girl who everyone she loved was dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. so Jesus, and took mm-hmm. away her whole support system. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, and, and I wanted to. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Hal. Go ahead. Oh, I wanted I wanted to ask. you. No, I'm sorry. Please continue. But I, I have a question when you're done. I'm so sorry about that. OK, Um. I I think the thing about this industry that is dangerous in just its very creation is that it we talked about how capitalism and this will always be intertwined there's no world in which we can discuss Mm -hmm. this without bringing in capitalism and sales and all this stuff like the reason that entertainment is successful is because of the consumer and Mm -hmm. so often the consumer is a young person usually a woman (laughs) Like, they make culture, and that's why we are often making fun of the things that young women like. Like, Twilight. Like, Twilight was a success because a a lot of young women bought it. And Mm. that kind of power in the wrong hands can have disastrous results. Mm. Absolutely. Hal, you had a question? Well, I was going to ask. So, so Katie, Julia, you you both um, read Act Age. You read read a, a good number of chapters from it. And, and what we're talking about, I feel like it's a good ta- tangent just for those of us who haven't seen or read Act Age, just mm-hmm. to understand exactly totally what fine. it's about. Because we're we're talking about this to try and sort of make the bring a real world attachment to what this guy wrote versus what this guy was doing, and and how those two are invariably connected. Um, as they are for multiple other artists, writers, art, you know, all of that, like how these oftentimes content is created in order to act out a fantasy or possibly gain leverage over someone else. And yeah. so uh, if you guys could just like, I guess, Katie, if you could start and just tell us just a little bit about like what Act Age is really about mm-hmm. at its core, you know, mm-hmm. who who's the character, what it's about? Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, the the swiftest way to really put it is it's about a young actress who is kind of trying to you know get money to support her family she doesn't have her parents are dead she has nobody um she's trying to take care of her family and uh she kind of learns about uh, this thing called method acting um and basically she uh is trying to get um jobs uh and become an actor and this director sort of takes her under his wing and is like well let's make you and an in actor. his van and, okay yeah yeah and um and and so really you know kind of at its core is like which we we kind of talked a little bit about at the the pre-show is is kind of this this director who is 
really kind of taking this girl and turning her into whoever he wants her to be in whatever way he check wants. Check that box. Good. Yeah. Check um, that. Okay. Which is an interesting parallel, uh, mm-hmm. an interesting parallel, um, which we kind of spoke about uh, thinking that this director character is most likely, you know, kind of a representation of the author since the author um, before writing this was a director um, and spoke A failed on director. Failed director. A failed director, that. but a director nonetheless. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, really quick, I just got to get this out there. This, I, I think that, that not the average reader, they may not pick up on all the little warning signs that we as people like in the industry get. Because this, I don't think his representation of like an abusive director was conscious at all. Mm. At all. Mm-hmm. I think it's like when OJ wrote that book, If, if I, I Did, did It. it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's what Act Age is for like, for, 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 for sex pests. Yeah. And, um, mm. Yeah, and, and, and so I think that when we get, as we get into the conversation more, we'll kind of bring up a couple of those uh, uh, little warning signs mm-hmm. that the average person might be like, oh, goofy, goofy guy, but it's <laughs> a child abuse. Yeah, so sorry, go on, man. Actually, Julia, I, I wanted to ask you, so what is method acting and how might mm. that deepen the story a little bit? How might that one specific detail alter the entire course of the story? <laughs> like, like, tell yeah. us about that. What is that? What's, that? what's method acting and what do they think it is? Right, right. <laughs> So, Kate and I have very strong opinions on method acting. Um, and the, the, yes, what, go, what I want to hear them. Go, 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 riff. What method acting actually is, actually textbook is, is a, what's the word? Kind of a denomination of Stanislavski's, like, acting how-to method. Um but I believe the term was coined Mm -hmm. by Lee Strasberg. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, And it basically Mm -hmm. means that you're using... Yeah, you're using memory recall to play a role. So, for example, if I am playing a 16-year-old who's in love, I'd be recalling, oh, remember when I was 16 and in love? That's how I would play that role. And... Or like how when Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, you know, uh, broke into the Bronx Zoo and was attacked by a grizzly bear in order to reenact that scene for himself. Um, That would that be method acting? Not technically, (laughs) but Hollywood has co-opted Hollywood has co-opted this term and actually changed the connotation of what it means. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why we have story. It, it now means being as big an asshole as possible <laughs> right. to your guests. Right. It, it now, now means putting yourself in danger in any situation so that <laughs> you can win an Oscar. Every chance you get. It's like Jared Leto sending used condoms use, to people on this podcast. It's just an excuse to be a major, major asshole on set. So that where like, in the public consciousness, method acting means... It's very something very similar to what this manga is doing mm. at a very weird, almost mm. supernatural level. Um, and what okay. it actually means is just like using stuff you've experienced to act. And Katie and I are both big like Meisner camp people <laughs> because okay. it's not doing that at all. <laughs> it's using imaginary okay. circumstances because that's so much healthier so, and so much. So easier. Katie, why? It- why is that healthier? What are some of the downsides of emotional recall as a technique? Which, yeah. which I'll say even Stanislavski moved away from in later years. Yes. Like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the biggest, the biggest issue with emotional recall really is that it just brings up past trauma. And that's just kind of like the, 
the easiest way to put it is that you mm-hmm. can use that for absolutely anything. You can look back on, you know, like a time that you, if you are a, you know, a victim of sexual assault, right? You would look back on the time that you were sexually assaulted, try to remember every single thing that you felt that you went through that you dealt with, and then take that and use it again and again mm-hmm. and again and again and again and again. And so it just gets to be emotionally exhausted and and you it changes you from top to tail and it changes your mental health and your mental you know whatever it's it's terrible and the difference between um you know like a meisner technique versus that is that you know in those situations you're sort of making up um past events or you're making up a situation based on real people in your life or based on real environments in your life but the situations themselves are fake um, you know, so for example, if if you're trying to go through the death of like, you know, your best friend in a play or something, um, you would I not kill go back. Hell. Right. <laughs> you <laughs> you would not go back to like the the friend that died in your real life, but instead you'd take like a random person that you know and love and sort of put these fake circumstances on top of it to make mm-hmm. them think to make yourself think that it's them in that situation um, to kind of bring it back to you to make it real for you without actually being bringing up trauma so that when it's done, you can just wipe your hands clean of it, put it away in a box and you never have to talk about it again. It's done. It's mm. dusted. It's over. Um, and so emotional recall is probably the most detrimental to anybody's mental illness. It could possibly be um, because it's not therapeutic. You're not talking it through. You're not trying to get over anything you're literally just trying to remember it and relive it over and over and over again Mm. no it's actually very cool to engage in the slam poetry of acting techniques it's actually (laughs) healthy for you to dobby yourself and bring up your childhood trauma in order Mm. to use it like a battery Mm. that's what it's for is to make money instead of get over it you want to keep that ember alive forever don't you want money (laughs) i got a crisp 20 for you (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh my god So, so everyone, let, let's put on our detective hats for a second. Bring up our our little um, our little magnifying glasses as we look at act age, and we think like, okay, now that we've discussed what method acting really is, emotional recall, how that mm-hmm. affects the human mind, how that affects an actor who is young and impressionable and trying to make their way in a world that you know by reliving their trauma they get money. Um, Let's look at this story for a second. We have a young girl who is trying to support uh, her two siblings. Her parents are dead, uh, and she clearly has a lot of trauma that she has not dealt with. Now, she wants to go into an acting industry where she relives her trauma through method acting, and then this older director comes in and says, hey, I can make you a star if you just do that every day, and I'll tell you how. Could we see, possibly, where there might be a parallel between this character and her emotional trauma and how that might be a little um, representative of uh, representative of, of how this writer behaved that particular night when he rode on a bike and sexually assaulted two young girls. Could we see how those two things might be connected? I don't no. think so. No? Okay. <laughs> Not drawing no, any I think I think You lost me. On a, you yeah. lost me. Yeah. What the f- no, that's what just me. The f- fuck are you talking about yeah, dude this is a, this is a manga this yeah. is real life yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. This doesn't exist dude. what's so nuts to me because reading through this immediately i was like i kind of want to vomit because mm-hmm. it's so like it smacks you in the face with it as soon as you start reading i'm like how did no one see any iteration of this coming like 
just in the way that she's framed, in the way that they talk about her. Like there's one part where two guys are on the street just like, look how beautiful she is when she runs. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Jesus. And They're like like a pack of hyenas, like sitting by watching <laughs> yes! a herd of gazelle, like like Ed and the the two other I forget the other two uh, hyenas and Lion King, Shenzi and Banzai or something, and that's just like look how beautiful she is. That's how these that's how these men behave. Yeah, yeah, and like they'd always do these like, and I mean obviously art separated from the story, but I'm sure there was collaboration there. Like they'll just go from like. A, a shot of her running away or like a shot of her like whatever and um you'll see like a close-up of the director being like oh she is a star and it's like oh my god it is like the wait male wait glaze. wait wait julia hang on did you just, oh wait, you the said the male, male glaze <laughs> hang on hang on and hang on i don't we're think not gonna let a, that slide we're give, not gonna no, let hang on. Give, give it a second i don't think that's entirely incorrect i don't think that's entirely incorrect because if we're talking about the male gaze it will eventually lead to the male glaze and that is get absolutely disgusting i'm gonna podcast. kill myself goodbye goodbye goodbye. <laughs> goodbye no uh. so so what i was saying was Julia, are you telling me that it's possible that there are uh, inaccurate representations of the female body in art? Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? No, never. Okay, good. Another loser of a question. What are you talking about? How no one, I, no, no one understands what you're saying right I, now. I'm sorry. You sound I'm sorry. Crazy right I, now. Yes, I'm so sorry, but um, I just, I just can't help but get these questions out of my head. Right. Um, because I mean, let's 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 pretend. Let's like hypothetically, let's say mm-hmm. that women's bodies are are drawn a certain way or whatever. Like, if that were the truth, then every time like Marvel had a panel for one of their movies, like all the guys would be asked all these serious questions, and Scarlett Johansson would be asked like, "Do you have to wear underwear with that costume?" But like, we know mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen. Never. So, no. No. Yeah. So I think like. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, specifically, there's a scene where they go to a bathhouse, I think. It, it's a bathhouse, mm-hmm. right? And In, in yeah. Act Age? In Act Age. Yeah. Not, not Scarlett Johansson. Not Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear. Okay, okay, okay. Do you think Black Widow would ever go to a bathhouse? <laughs> uh, what do you think her butt would look like, Miss Johansson? <laughs> <laughs> but um, just the... I, because at first, um, for I'll say right off the bat, it, I'm really bad at reading mangas. I didn't realize that until I was reading this, because I like because all the text is scattered and not like in a. Did geometric. did we not clarify that you read these right to left? Oh yeah, I took me a couple. It took me I, a while. Oh, <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, it took me. It out. I'm really bad at watching <laughs> anime too. I'm a really bad guest for this podcast just because, like, I I'm part, I I have hearing loss and I I really rely on reading lips a lot of the time and I rely on captions and stuff like that. So when the mouths don't match up with the text, like, it's really difficult for mm. me to consume. Um, Julia and Katie open up the manga and they're like, "Shit, this is the end! I just spoiled it." <laughs> that scary just gets younger and younger. Like, Weird. Damn. It's like a Benjamin Button. Um, Okay, so the bathhouse. Let's let's hone in. What are we, what are you talking about? What yeah, what, what bathhouse? What? So there's a scene where they're at a bathhouse. She's there with the with the the kiddos. Um, which that's another thing. We'll get into that. Just put a pit in it. Um, but the way that that scene is drawn first, I thought it was just her and the kids. 
But then it's like, ha ha ha, he's over, like, in the bathhouse, like, Jamie Lannister just having his moment, like, in the water. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, no. Like, just a moment of realizing, oh, mm-hmm. no, he's there, too. And it was, it was, I think it was, like, at that point where it's like, oh, this guy's not even being subtle anymore. Like, the beginning, like, you can be like, oh, he just really cares about her as, like, a father figure. But... By the time you get to that scene, it's like, no, 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 no. She's a child. Mm-mm, mm-mm, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be too much of a cultural relativist here. Like Japan and like Korea, they do they do have like a, a different culture of like what they call like skinship, where like it's just more okay to like touch each other and be around each other naked, mm-hmm. like whether it's in, in bathhouses and things like that. But something that I'm not willing to be a cultural relativist about is the like age of consent laws mm-hmm. in Japan, which are as young as 13 which are as young as 13. And so they, in different prefectures, like it's 18 in Tokyo, but like it's 18 with an asterisk because you can always engage in it if you establish like parental consent to like establish a real romantic relationship, which like, it's just like the, any situation in which you find yourself asking an adult, hey, can I bang your kid is like not a good situation. There are just and some so- situations where like, if you have to ask the question, Maybe you, you should. Answer. You already know the answer. You know, like like when you start to ask yourself, "Do I need new underwear?" Like I think I think you do. I think you've reached the point where you do, or else you wouldn't be asking you yourself that question. <laughs> so like, if if you have to ask yourself whether or not, like, if you have to go up and ask permission for somebody, whether or not you can engage in sexual, you know, acts with another person. I feel like you you probably already have your answer before you ask the question, or you wouldn't have asked it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and the age thing's a big thing in act age because um, it's the the main character K, uh, K is sixteen, I believe, at the start of it, and then another one of the main actresses is like seventeen, and boy, are they sexualized! Like it's not it's not sexualized in the way where they got like the the big bazooms and the you know you know big fat juicy ass, but it's just like the leering gaze, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's the the, the kind of creepy like. Um, uh, director type dude who just we know like fetishes fetishizes it in a way where it's like they're so beautiful, they're innocent, gorgeous youth, their radiance, their absolute gorgeousness, and and the way that the director imprints on her immediately is crazy. Can somebody talk about the initial um audition scene and act age, like what's happening at this cattle call versus what you know to cattle, cattle calls to actually be? So anyone <laughs> want to take that? Yeah, I mean, I remember I read it a couple days ago, so my memory might be a, a little a little lost, but I I do remember that she auditioned. She was sad. She was very sad. Um, just like mm-hmm. they kept commenting on on how sad she looked. <laughs> their their acting challenge was not give us a monologue, give us a bar cut of a song. It was okay, show sad. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> show sad. Literally, they lined they lined them up, and they were like, okay, now be sad. Be sad. And she like. She like put on a sad face and they were like, don't you think it's like too sad? And they like didn't give her the, they didn't, they didn't put her into the next round. And then one of the, the content, like the auditionees couldn't go on or something. And so they called her back in um, and had her in the final round of four out of, I think it was 30,000 people or something yeah. like that, that had auditioned. And there was like the final four and they were like, the I made fuck? it to the what, final what is this four. System? No agents are involved. What is this project for? Like- right. Yeah, exactly. And she didn't have like any, any representation 
than just like, yeah. you know, just like a random mm. girl who, you know, decided to kind of try this. And she ended up, you know, getting it after the director kind of was like, I want her. Like she has, she has it. She just has it, you know, because you always mm-hmm. know there's like a couple of people in power in theater. And that's not necessarily directors. You know, sometimes it's producers or, you know, literally design, like designers, anybody who's in, in the creative process who can look at somebody and go, she just has it. Or they just like, they just get it. And it makes no sense. And it's just an excuse really for you to cast somebody or pick somebody on no basis other than like a gut feeling, which in most mm. cases is probably horniness. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. That's the it factor is, the, yeah. is that feeling that it gives the person of power. And so they're mm. like, I don't need an explanation. Can't you feel it? It just is. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like d- director. Why is the table lifting up under you? What's happening? Like it's like it's it's her acting. She's she's a witch. Like and the um, thing is, like the the scariest part about all of that is that those people can make careers, and like mm-hmm. people are tied to them financially because it's like you can easily convince someone that like you're nothing without me. And we yeah. see that all the time with narcissists and abusive relationships. But, like, mm-hmm. specifically, I'm thinking in the case of, like, Harvey Weinstein, which is probably, like, the biggest, you know, Me Too scandal to, like, really, you know, get the public consciousness. But, like, just in the way that, like, mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow's career grew because of him. And, I mean, as much as, like, she she has some interesting lifestyle choices, like, I, I look at her and I... I I don't want to make fun of her because I can't even imagine what it took, what she lived through to have the career that she has. And I I don't really want to think about it. Like, it's one of those things that I wish I was, I don't want to say wish I was more comfortable in exploring, but like, I wish it was easier to talk about because I think the reason mm. that this stuff hides in the cupboard or is closed, you know, away from the public consciousness is because it is uncomfortable to talk about. And for most of the people who would be able to give light to the situation, like it's literally bringing up trauma. And that's the reason we don't yeah. talk about it because we don't like it doesn't feel safe. And then the people who do talk about it, like um, in the Kavanaugh case, like, she went into that saying, uh, they're not going to believe me, but I have to do this because it is my moral duty to do it. Yeah. And the fact that someone can go into a situation like that and know that they're going to be trashed for it and it's going to make mm-hmm. their lives even worse. And I like I'm a big fan of Monica Lewinsky's Twitter. Very big fan. Yep. It's, it's very funny. It's, she's yeah, got it's very funny. It's great. But not everyone can be a Monica Lewinsky and like really look at a situation like that where she was you know it may have been consensual but it was still a person in a position of power that engaged in that with her so there will always be an uneven power dynamic in that situation and the fact that she can look back on that after years of therapy i'm sure with levity that's impressive but not everyone can do that yeah, yeah. It, if I can liken it to something, something that keep I keep thinking as we're talking about it, the way that this, uh, you know, that it 
factor that like, oh, I just yearn for this. There, there are so many uh, similarities I find to like, have you ever read Dracula? Have you ever read like her traditional vampire mm. story? And, and it, it just the the similarities between like an ancient vampire lusting for life and seeking to drain it from young youthful women um is very very similar to like how harvey weinstein might behave um or like how the director uh here might behave just like they are quite in, in everything but the actual sucking of blood they are vampires <laughs> um they're yeah. they're pretty much vampires because they they yearn for that vitality that they know that they don't have or that they've never had so they go to take it from somebody else and and in every single one of those stories there is always this weird like sexual undertone or even overtone mm-hmm. um in which like the victim is is almost made to be complicit in it mm-hmm. um yeah. as in like they are hypnotized they are they are um stunned by this interaction between themselves and their and this vampire and it's very similar to how like a, a very very influential man might might uh, overtake you might you know like be, uh, a victim because there's this crazy uh dialogue that i find take place in in like every time i discuss like a like i once spoke to someone i i'm not going to name them um about like oh yeah he was complaining like oh well you know about Harvey Weinstein, like, well, well, you know, no, why did all these women come forward at once? You know, isn't that a little suspect? Isn't that a little weird? How suddenly they all just come forward at once? Oh, they come crawling out of the woodwork. And I'm like, no, no, that is not weird. That is not suspect. Because, because there is a power dynamic there. There is something that is forcing them down, whether you like it or not. No, they are not physically putting a gun to their head every other night and saying, like, hey, did you tell anyone today? No, that's not how it works. What it is is a threatening of your livelihood. It's a threat, it is a threat to the your very lifestyle. Um, and, and not only can they take away the way that you live, but they can end it. They just be like, mm. you're done living. You're dead. You're basically dead. Um, and, and I find it kind of crazy how there's still this weird like even with this article that we read about act age there was this urge uh the artist urged people like hey don't take this out on the survivors please don't take this out on the survivors mm-hmm. yeah. even though all this content is gone because that's a thing it's a real thing where people are like no fuck you for walking alone in the middle of the night you underage school girl how dare you make him do that to you like it's just insane to me and, <sighs> and i feel like we're kind of um Anyway, anyway, so if if I I think I can take take what you're saying because you're making some great points about like abuse and like uh, why um why in the acting field you're you're like specifically a victim and it's so strange because again this manga does not present it at all like anything is like up here I mean and yet it has characters that tell it because the the issue with K is that K is an orphan and then fucking and then Daddy War fucks comes along and picks up the little orphan and um. When he sees her at this audition, she she literally has a, a syndrome. They call it method acting, but what it is is that like when she when she is inhabiting something, it's literally like there's a delusion that she is there. Yeah. And and it and it seems like she's never seen acting before. Like it, yeah. it kind of establishes that she's outside a movie theater. Like they have a flashback <laughs> with her outside a movie theater, being like, fifteen hundred yen. I need that to buy groceries for my kid for my kids because my parents are dead. And it's it it. It feels like they're saying she's never seen like a TV show or something like that. It's right. weird. 
but I know one actor, and it's somebody that you all know as well. I, I won't say the name. And when they act, they they literally are are somebody who they have bipolar disorder. And I have seen them when they act. Sometimes they get so into it that it gets uncontrollable. Like they'll start crying. Past emotional recall will come up, and, and they're almost physically like they they have to push themselves to finish a scene. And it can be a very powerful in its own sense but frightening like performance but it's also something that is clearly out of control and damaging yeah. and hurtful to them and there's that one character in act age there's like a, the, the person who at first doesn't allow her to move forward in the audition is some older woman who works at the production company and she says no, acting would destroy this person. I don't want to have people in my company who, you know, are going to take over the world but, like, destroy themselves. I need emotionally healthy actors. And she's presented as, like, this fucking ignorant bitch who thinks that <laughs> yeah. she, you know, it's like, it's like, she just doesn't understand what real acting is. Yeah. And it, again, it's insane because I'm guessing that the, the writer ran into someone like this at some point who's just like, you don't get what it really is to destroy a woman you so that your career can you be just better. Don't you don't get, get it. it. You just yeah. don't get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he he literally picks her up in a van at some point because he, he like stalks her essentially yep. after the final audition in which they ask her to like pretend she's being like attacked by a wolf. It's, <laughs> she starts doing like karate in the fucking middle of the room. Everyone's like, oh my God. It's like she really sees the wolf, which you just can't do if you don't know proper pantomime skill. It's a really tough trait to like do it. But regardless, it's insane. It's insane, it's insane that you're- right, Are you telling me you that you've never had to pantomime in a catacall audition? <laughs> <laughs> No, really? My, my, my last call back for right Spring Awakening was not <laughs> Jessica Hillman McCord going like, you're in a deep dark forest. <laughs> <in there." laughs> Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf approaches you. Take out your, take out your nunchucks. You know? And then it's you like, just immediately started dissociating that it was actually hard. Because that's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. When I first watched yes. that scene where they're on the desert island and they're having the desert island thing and she wakes up and she's like... Are there any other people on the island? I was like, she's having a dissociative episode. Someone help her. <laughs> and like, just well, there's oh. like, <laughs> oh, there's also my. so many like things that we let slide as people mm -hmm. in the industry <laughs> because we know yep. like, like when we've, we, we've all experienced it. We've all talked about it. And the best example I can give is like, um, you know, there was a thing that happened at our school school a couple of years ago where um we were talking about in the dance industry um how there are a lot of dance uh professionals who are currently under investigation for sexual assault uh, against members of their company etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and um and you know we you know we've all experienced it where professors because acting and and theater is such an interesting sort of thing to do where people in power will come up and they will touch you in specific ways because they are trying to fix you they're trying to adjust mm -hmm. you because they're trying to make you better and those are the sort of situations that in the the time you know kind of going off of your point Hal of um of how you know, why are all these people coming and speaking up all at once? Sometimes it takes that one person to create the domino effect, to create that wave, um, to, to allow other people to kind of speak up because they didn't realize that what they were going through was what it was because they were under the false mindset that this is only happening to get me better. And this is only happening, mm. uh, to, to improve upon me in some way. Um, you know, where, you know, somebody might even, even just disruptive language and, and terrible, you know, 
kind of rhetoric involved um you know sometimes people will say things and you're like well you know like maybe that was a little harsh or maybe that was a little inappropriate but they're saying it because they want me to get better they're saying it because they want to help me um and sometimes Uh it just takes that one person to be like no that's not that was inappropriate and and it was uncomfortable and is a bad experience for me for everybody else to look back and say huh that thing that happened to me maybe maybe that was like a similar thing and i was just using like education and mm-hmm. you know the field to kind of create a little bubble around it to kind of shield me from understanding what i actually went through well, I, and 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 Oh, sorry, you cut out for a second there. What'd you just say? Oh, no, no. I just said that's that sometimes that's just what we we make as an excuse, mm. you know, for ourselves. Well, right. It's yeah. this weird sort of smokescreen that I find. And that's that's what I wanted to say earlier about the, the male gaze and this particular director looking like, no, she just has it. Um, it's this weird thing where like predators will throw up a smoke screen of like, oh no, I am purely artistic. Me, mm-hmm. I am sexless. I do not experience arousal. I simply, I simply observe the human body for the beautiful work of art that it is. I have no personal feelings attached to it. And that makes it so much easier for you to deny having any sort of like, no, 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 no. You don't understand, this is art. Mm-hmm. Art is very different from, you know, the base feelings that exist deep inside me and the human soul. I like, like me. No, 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 no. I actually mm. don't have any genitalia. I, I don't feel. <laughs> mm. I no, didn't want something. any. Yeah. So, no. Well, I mean, I remember Let's, specifically oh. there was a class that I, I ended up, I'd never dropped a class in my life. I've never, ever dropped a class mm. in my life until this one mm. instance where I'd gone through a semester with this professor and. The next semester, I was really, I was like, reevaluate. Okay, okay, what do I want my life to be? Like, do I want to be miserable and traumatized every time I go to class? No. So I dropped mm-hmm. it before the semester started. And the amount of flack I got from this professor about dropping the class, and it was me and someone else too. We both dropped it at the same time because it was like, okay, we just, we just got to do it. We just got to rip the bandaid off. And it was all under the guise of like, I just want to make you better. I just want to make you more marketable. I just, uh, this is just how I teach. This is just my teaching Mm -hmm. style. You shouldn't take it personally. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's no other way to take it. Like I, I have a very tough skin. Um, but there are some things that you just can't continue to allow. And luckily I was in a situation where I could drop the class. But mm. there are some people, like, there's some things you literally have to take to graduate and you don't get the option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think acting sits at this crossroads where it's the, it's the one field that you can, you know, major in or do, do study in, in which you as a person and who you are is implicated in the study as a core subject of study. It's, I mean, plenty of other things you can reflect back on yourself, like Hall of Mirrors style with any field of study, any major. But this is something about like, how do you look? How do you behave? How do you walk? How do you stand? How do you sound? How do you think? 
and do I believe you when you speak? And it's something where, as you're at this kind of crossroads uh, with this, you then add on the different kind of academic disciplines where some people will, you know, I want to be your friend and kind of start, you know, I'm your mentor and you're like father figure. I'm going to start building this relationship. And then another way that many teachers teach is part of the field that like, yeah, I'm just going to casually destroy you. I'm going to casually like destroy your confidence. You're not even going to realize it. Yeah. And when it's your fucking biology teacher, you're just like, Okay, Commodore, whatever you want to say, whatever you, if you want to try to do it, fine. Yeah, oh, wow, okay, I got a, I got an 80, I got a 70 on the test. Uh, but when it's acting, it's, it's, I've, I've person, okay, I'm tired of this. Let's spill tea. Can we spill some personal tea about like the specifics of some of the actual shit that we have heard like sure. in, in the study? Okay, Let, let's start spitting shit because the school I went to, after after fucking teachers were sex predators, <laughs> like one of them was placed on administrative leave forcibly for like an inappropriate sexual relationship with a student, and the student was allowed to take remote study classes like eight years ago because this teacher was being such a sex freak, a married teacher. Um, I've seen uh, in class comments about like. Uh, wait, a, a student eating a donut being like, a student who was rail thin eating a donut with the teacher going, you really shouldn't be eating that, you're gonna get a fat ass, and like, just like shit like that. So any any other any other shit that we've actually heard? Yeah, to, I, yeah. there was, there was only one situation that I remember that I was directly involved in, that mm. I remember, Julia, I think we're probably both thinking of the exact same thing. How could I ever forget? <laughs> it, it was probably one of the most like traumatizing uh, like theatrical experiences I've personally ever had, and it was um, it was in w- one of the classes that we we took at our school, in which the teacher um, asked for somebody to come up and help demonstrate, and it was a field of study in which um, you know kind of the male characters in this sort of technique were very sexualized, um, kind of interacting with women, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they had me come up to demonstrate. And um, this teacher was taking on the role of the elderly man in this huh. situation and sort of wanted me to just kind of like be a woman, just like stand there and like be a woman, basically, um, as they That's were trying that... as they were trying <laughs> to sorry. demonstrate. I'm sorry. <laughs> as they were trying to demonstrate sort of the mannerisms and the characteristics of this particular stock character. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like they were coming oh, up, oh, they, they were coming up to me, you know, and, and like doing things like pretending that like they were touching my boobs and like, you know, kind of doing like that weird thing with your glasses and like just mm-hmm. getting very close to me. And it was so uncomfortable that literally everybody in the class was sitting and watching it happen because it was a demonstration in front of the class and nobody could even speak. Like everybody was looking at it and, and you know, Julia, I think you can probably talk about it from your perspective, but, you know, it was uncomfortable for me. It was uncomfortable for everybody else. And and it was not uncomfortable for them, for the professor. Yeah. And it happened for probably, I want to say it was like a 10 minute demonstration, just over and over again, just different situations of us interacting with each other or us running into each other on the street, like whatever it might be. And it was just like, it, literally you had to, I had to disassociate. Like if I didn't, it was just gonna be like a, whoa, <laughs> whoa, this is uncomfortable and I don't know what to do about it. And so it just kind of 
I just remember that as being one of the big, like, bright red, you know, sirens in my head of kind of these excuses, again, that, like I had mentioned earlier, that we make for ourselves, in which I can say, like, wow, well, that happened because they were trying to, like, teach me about this character, or they were trying to teach me about this style of acting. So it's not creepy. It's not weird because they were trying to help me. Um, and that's that kind of, like, disruptive thinking that can really screw a person up. Like, if that if that's how you handle every situation in this industry, it's going to get to you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Julia, you can talk about what that was like for you, but... Yeah, I mean, I remember specifically, like, I will never forget that class, but... Um after that like you and i had started this that, that like, was great use of uh, use of actor slang by the way i think everybody listening who knows what they're talking about understands what kind of class you're talking about yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um and after that class cuz there were other instances that were not to that level of uncomfortable but definitely not um comfortable Katie and I would just be in the back of the class holding hands just like it's okay it's going to be over soon hopefully you know um And the fact that we had to have, like, a private way to communicate with each other that was, like, we are both uncomfortable, this is dredging up trauma. Um, Because I, like, I truly, I'm not exaggerating when I say I don't know any woman in my life who has not experienced sexual assault at some level. Um, And I'd say 100% of women I know have at least experienced sexual harassment. At least. But especially women in theater, it's like it's it's almost an everyday thing, at least mm-hmm. harassment-wise, because mm-hmm. you are immediately judged by your body, by how big your boobs are, by the size of your ass, like, and it's even, it's in the character descriptions. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're auditioning for a character, like, I've been told, oh, you're not sexy enough to play this role, or you're too much of a prude to play this role, you know, and it's people put you in these boxes and it's not based on your acting ability or even the color of your eyes, which is something that is beyond your control. It's about like, are you sexy enough to do X, Y, Z? And I, it was interesting. I was watching, this is going in a completely different direction, but I was watching an ep- a thing about the Glee project, which was this very short lived reality show And Mm -hmm. one of the things that they had the actors do was, like, make sure that they're being sexy enough, even though that the, like, the people who were in the competition were like, this makes me uncomfortable. I'm not comfortable doing this. And just the pure, unadulterated objectification that came from that. Mm -hmm. And the worst part is, I didn't look at that and be like, I can't believe that happened. I was like, oh, yeah. That, you know, it didn't even cross our, like, we talked about this dance teacher that was having this conversation with us. I didn't know up until that point that I could tell someone, I'm not okay with you touching me right now. Because I had grown up as a dancer. Mm -hmm. I had grown up Mm -hmm. with people constantly touching me, constantly making adjustments. And it was the first being in that teacher's classroom where she was like, do I have permission to make an adjustment? And she would Mm -hmm. always ask if we were feeling comfortable enough to be touched. And it was that summer that I first had an intimacy director on a show and realized, oh, I don't need to be forced to kiss someone without consent. Because we literally 
had a professor that made me kiss one of my fellow actors and then asked the actor how they liked it. In a classroom. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yep. And it's that type of thing where, like, when you're a person sitting and watching, you're like, how do I even say that this is wrong? Yeah, and one of the interesting, like, I've... I, I can't speak for myself in regards to any uncomfortable instances with with faculty members, but I can tell you that I've watched other interactions with other female classmates of mine that I'm watching, and I'm like, is this like like it's re- it was a real question for a good probably two years before I finally figured out like oh maybe I should trust my gut on this of just being like is this just what theater is? I was like just watching and being like this is this is probably what I should expect. Right, being mm-hmm. comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, like, like I, I had this idea that I was just like, no, if you're uncomfortable by this, then you just can't hack you it. You shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't. Then you shouldn't do it. Right. Um, yeah. You just shouldn't be acting. And, and and I, hearing so many different experiences from from friends of mine and classmates of mine, and I, I just like it makes me realize that like no, it, it's re- you really only have to be comfortable with it because the people who are doing it are telling you you have to mm-hmm. that that's it it's just to enable what they're doing more and more and more yeah. and more and more and then it and then it just doesn't stop and someone ends up it just elevates every time they get they get braver every time yeah, yeah. god how weird that there's an actual like course of study in which like in a college where you would feel awkward for like being asked to make out with one of your classmates mm. you know what i mean like mm. it's just it's, it it's an it's, improvised it's scene too which is what kills me is like do an mm-hmm. improvised scene in front of your entire class where and i mean it was never said outright that a kiss was supposed to happen but it was heavily implied because it was implied that we were supposed to do the next scene in the show which was only a kiss it was basically like character comes mm-hmm. in kisses character b and leaves and yeah thrilling (laughs) (laughs) oh god and and the thing is too it's like acting can be this immensely healing art form too it can be Mm -hmm. one in which you do experience like legitimate physical intimacy romance can bloom on the the set but it's just like it's something where there needs to be a new dialogue surrounding ethics in acting and Mm -hmm. the ethical like just just way to behave on set and it, it's clear that the the artist too has a dysfunctional relationship with women because it's just it's evidence that the the thought of ethics i can understand why he failed as a director because there's a scene in it where he again kidnaps the 16 year old to make her be an extra on set <laughs> and she <laughs> is supposed to be a villager in the edo period and is like okay you're an extra stand back a kid's gonna be like killed by a samurai in front of you and you need to just like act like it's okay and she goes full sicko mode she cannot help herself and she starts like beating the shit like karate kick on the the fucking like rival samurai because she's like no don't kill the child and it's like this is a person with a this is a person with a syndrome this is a person with a mental condition who's assaulting another actor and assaults him twice and is allowed to stay on set and these little violations of consent these things where where there is an element of acting where you need to kind of like be okay with pushing yourself and in when you're okay with it and be okay with getting outside your comfort zone when you're okay with it and this just gray area is so rife for abuse and it's evident in every 
fucking section of this manga that this dude has never thought about consent once in his life, has never thought about ethics or like like boundaries once in his life, and is, is just completely emblematic of, of, of every one of these freaks that we've met in the actual world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. So, so oh, okay. So, 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 may, may I, Pax? Yeah, I hit it. Okay. So, going back to, to, Act eight. First of all, can we touch on the soup commercial? Oh my god! Yeah, I want to hear about the all soup right. commercial. So, okay, the, the what soup you commercial hit it? we talked about in the pre-show. Katie, Julia, w- tell Julia, me. Julia, why don't you go ahead? You seem very excited to talk about Cause, it because this will lighten it up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so there is uh, after. Is it after she's an extra or is it before? It's before. It's the first thing he takes her it's to. It's the first thing. So he takes her to be in a soup commercial. Okay. Um, that's just ready <laughs> like it's, it's just just they, as a spoiler alert it's the Campbell's commercial where the Campbell's can is rolling and the kid <laughs> is chasing it to go get it it's that commercial. It's chef oh. yeah I think that's Chef Boyardee it's Chef Boyardee <laughs> and then she jumps in and drop right kicks the kid and goes don't hurt the can don't eat the can that's my <laughs> right, father right, right. <laughs> right, right. but um uh, this is where the first instance of memory recall happens and um basically the director is like Think about the time you cooked soup for your father. And she goes, I never cooked soup for my father. (laughs) And that's where we find out about the trauma. Um, And it's just like all of these like... Because in the art, like all these pictures of her like sipping the soup and all this stuff. Mm. (laughs) And Mm. I think like we talked about this in the pre-show, but this idea of like the Manic Pixie Chosen One... That's like mm. an orphan and just um, like, oh, you can see by the way she orphan, delicately sips the soup yeah. mm. that she is the most sensitive mm. actor to ever exist ever. And I'm going to make her a star. And the whole time there's like this PA character that's like, are you sure that she's the one for the big role? And he's like, I know she is. <laughs> it's like it's like that moment at the end of the Matrix where like Neo gets up, he stops the bullets in midair, and they're just like, What's happening? What's he doing? And Morpheus looks up and he's like, He's starting to believe. <laughs> That's the moment. Yes. That's it. With a soup commercial. With the soup. She's starting to believe. <laughs> That's it. And- it cannot be stressed enough how many actors can do the job just as well without beating the shit out of their uh, castmates, without driving themselves to suicide. During the the Edo scene when she finally, she she's like, a lot of it is stealing the show in the villager scene when she finally gets it. She, to keep herself like bound up, to be like, no, I need to, you know, let this happen in front of me. She's literally digging her nails so far she's into bleeding. her fist. There's like a bucket she's of blood ble- coming out of her hand. She- She's bleeding like the bloodbender in Avatar. It's just pouring out of her. And it's like, right. yeah, wow. She's stealing the show because she's fucking bleeding out, dude. Like, although, although, think about it this way. Think about it. That's a real thing. Did you ever see Django Unchained? Yeah. No. It's a Quentin Tarantino film uh, starring uh, Jamie Foxx and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was the villain, right? One of the, when you think method acting now in America, you think like Leo DiCaprio because he wants an Oscar. And, and he's incredible, he is. But there's a scene in Django Unchained where he's freaking the fuck out. He's finally like mask off, full villain mode. He's gonna bash this woman's brains in. And he takes a glass and he, boom, he slams it on the table. Oh yeah. And it breaks. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. looks up and he's got blood on his hands. 
and you're like, oh, this is part of the movie. It's not. He just sliced his hand open on set. He yeah. just sliced his hand open on set. He's God. bleeding from his hand. He grabs a napkin. He's wrapping it up in his hand. And, you know, they don't stop filming. They, they just continue. And at the end of the scene, he wipes his blood on his cast member's face. And it's found that after that scene, she immediately went backstage and vomited, immediately threw up. Because he just cut his hand open and wiped his blood on her face. Which, if you did that, if, you, if someone were to come up to you on the street with an open wound, gushing blood, and put it on your face, you have no idea where this person's been. You have no idea if they have any blood transferable diseases. You don't know this guy. He would be arrested. He would be arrested. Yeah. But because we're acting, suddenly like, oh yeah, I can, if I slice my hand open, I could like shove my hand down Pax's mouth and make him lick up the blood. Like, I can do that. Look it up. Hear me, in the hear me. I don't Thanks. know if it's a translate. <laughs> what do you have to I don't say know for if yourself? It's a translation thing, but they compare and Heath Ledger. And I don't know if that's a translation. But they're like, all right, mm. so who a guy who did dead? that. Right, a guy who literally died. And they're like, it won't destroy her. She'll he be one of the greats. Dead. Absolutely not. That's like yeah, comparing that was a, real a president, like an upcoming like president to like Julius Caesar. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so that said, like there, I, I will say in the thing's defense, the art gets a little better over time. It seems like in the later chapters that they were starting to explore the concept of like, you mm-hmm. need to respect your castmates, right? It kind of like seemed like they were going to maybe explore topics like how do you ethically act? Um, but from what we saw, I mean, is this the, the is this the great piece of artwork that we should all like shut the fuck up and just allow people to like because even though it was written by a monster, it's the you best know, thing we've I ever read. What do we such, think? I think the best way for me to approach this topic is to just outright say that I don't think that I like enough popular stuff that has been quote unquote canceled by people or that have been mm. written by monsters for me to have like a super informed opinion about it because I, you know, like for example, mm. biggest example would be like JK Rowling in, in Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. I've read them. I've watched it, but I'm not like a Harry Potter and all be all die hard person. So for me to separate, you know, I, 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 it's, it's different than somebody who grew up and it's a part of their formative life and it's a part of like who they are and they have, they love mm-hmm. it so much that it's been such a difficult thing for them. Um, but personally, you know, I think to a certain extent, it's, it's nearly impossible to separate the art from the artist. Um, you know, I think that you definitely can and, and you can celebrate specific works, you know, that have outlived the, the legacy of their creators. Um, but I, I also think, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain extent, you can see the signs of the artist in every piece of art, you know? And so I think kind of to your point earlier, Julia, you're talking about, you know, separating capitalism out of all of it. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's net, it's impossible. You can't do it. Um, so the only way that we can really, mm-hmm. you know, kind of separate the two all comes down to the capitalistic aspect of it, um, you know, and who are we going to put our money into and what are we going to fiscally support versus not. Um, but I, I think this is not one of those works <laughs> that is like, you know, good enough <laughs> yeah. to like be, <laughs> yeah. you know, this big deal that we can just kind of 
think that the what the the author did was bad and what the artist did was bad, but like the work is just you know impeccable. Um, you know, I I I don't think that that is going to be the winner winner chicken dinner here. Um, in my opinion. Sure, uh, but but one of you actually in the pre-show we were going over the notes. One of you shared a really really great article um, written by a mentor. Was it you, Julia? Yeah, I yeah. think you shared an article. Oh, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about that article because there's a line from it that I I really really enjoyed, and I'd like to hear uh, your perspective on it. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was crazy. Like a couple days leading up to this, my my friend and mentor Ashley Griffin posted a um, article for Onstage Blog. We can probably link to it on. Or Taco's Twitter or something like that. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, one we'll put thing in the show she notes. talked yeah. about was was her experience with abuse and specifically through the lens of like the Woody Allen case and all of that. Um, and mm-hmm. how how do we separate the art from the artist? Um, and if that's even possible. Um, what was the line that spoke to you, Hal? So the the particular line that spoke to me was, um, y- you know, how to, how to react when you decide like, okay, uh, let's say I have a problem with this artist or their work, and 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 you know, it's debating like, what is the difference between like not liking the content that they're creating versus not liking the artist himself? Mm-hmm. There there there's a big difference between the two things, mm-hmm. like like boycotting Harry Potter because you believe that it promotes witchcraft to children versus not liking J.K. Rowley's tweets about trans people. They're different issues. Um, but uh, one thing that uh, she wrote here was, trust your gut. It's something you can't argue with. If you feel icky consuming a particular artist's work, acknowledge it. Don't try to ignore it or justify it away. You may not want to stop consuming it, but better to stop than feel a little grossed out whenever you do. And, and I really, really liked that because, um, like, for instance, I am a... Uh, I'm a huge fan of Michael Jackson's uh, songs. I love a lot of Michael Jackson's work. Um, that said, can't speak for his character. Cannot say anything that that I particularly like about him or or the allegations against him. You know, ugh, makes me feel icky. And so I and so I've had to take a little break from listening to that music because I'm just like I can't justify that right mm-hmm. now. Feeling like gross every time I turn on PYT. Just being like, hmm, these are children in the chorus for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, mm, yeah. yeah. And, and so, like, I really, really liked that line because it's like, it's okay to feel gross about it because you should probably trust your gut on it. Mm. If it feels wrong, it probably is. Similar to the question of, should I change my underwear? Yes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yes. Maybe, maybe you should. If I'm asking, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things, too, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Pack. And I was... I was really grateful that you shared that article because one of my other majors was uh, gender studies, and there's a lot of trauma pedagogy related to that, and the the the, the kind of um, dialectics of just uh, mm-hmm. how to heal. And I think that the the article was remarkably insightful, and it just made me ask myself so many questions because when Hal you pointed out that line about um, the difference between the hurtful comments between the trans community and people boycotting it for the different reason with rich, witchcraft, this might be controversial. I'm not actually sure that those okay. are that different 
because I'm not sure that I can really say in my heart, like, no, we need to, we, we, we get to say with 100% certainty, like, these are the beliefs that are okay to boycott something over. These are the beliefs that they're not okay to boycott something over. Because I think it misses the real enemy, which Katie and Julia have hit on, which is the kind of capitalist system. There's the concept of, like, no ethical consumerism mm-hmm. under capitalism. Whereas, like, a queer person, I feel very conflicted when someone mentions, like, yeah, fuck Chick-fil-A, I hate Chick-fil-A. I don't love Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I don't, like, like stand for them. But at the same time, like, McDonald's has literally hired Colombian death squads to protect sugarcane rights for the Coca-Cola companies. You know what I mean? And when I look at, like, which companies are doing which evil thing, poisoning what water where, demolishing what country in Africa, I kind of have a hard time justifying to myself saying, like, no, 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 let's go eat Wendy's chicken sandwiches instead because they have some of the worst labor practices in the fast food industry, you know? And Chick-fil-A at least gives people slightly more pay, slightly more time off. And the, 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 the... As a person who has experienced sexual assault, trauma, all of these things, and these things that take away your safety and control, I hunger so desperately for some type of rule, some type of guideline, some type of boundary that can help me feel safe, just a fucking a, a physics to trauma where I can plot one thing, plug it into a calculator, say, this isn't okay to support, I'm safe, I can feel okay with this. But you all keep making the point again and again and again, trusting your gut, because this isn't something where we have an easy answer. We don't get as people to determine, like, why one person who was hurt and abused to hell, like Michael Jackson, you know, turns out and perpetuates its, his hurt in another way, where another person might never hurt a child, experiencing similar or worse trauma, and instead turn it into some great art, there's this like kind of almost grand spiritual mystery. I mean, it might sound woo-woo to say it, but it's tough. You know, we we can't get these these guidelines and safety. We just need to go step by step. And so I, I don't want to rehash on the trust your gut, trust your gut point. But like at the end of the day, I'm I'm not sure if we you have know, any other I, better action for I that. Feel other like, than to I feel just like I feel like it really ultimately like trusting your gut really just to put an equal sign. It's just kindness. You know, like I I feel like. I feel like the Mm -hmm. biggest issue here is not whether or not people think the actions of the artist or the art itself is bad, you know, like whether the the things that they're doing are, are, you know, terrible and have negatively impacted people's lives, but it's how much each person is willing to sacrifice and how much each person is willing to put Mm -hmm. up with. And I think Mm -hmm. ultimately, like... Totally. In my opinion, that all comes down to kindness is how kind of a human being mm-hmm. are you? Because ultimately, I've, I've used this example with, with a lot of people. I, I'm friends with quite a few people who are very, very wonderful, who are just really bad at speaking, like really bad at talking and, and mm. saying the right things. They tend to like they'll either talk themselves into a hole or they'll talk around the issue as a whole and they never touch on it, you know, and we've had, I've had conversations with people where I've said, you know, your actions may not have meant to hurt somebody else, but nevertheless, they did. And that might not have been your intention, but they still deserve an apology, whether or not you meant it or not, because they have received it and it's been negatively received. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, ultimately, that's really for me what it comes down to and what trusting your gut comes down to is like, you know, I feel like this person isn't being kind. You know, they're not they're not being kind. And, And that's that's all it is. Why can't we just like be better Mm. be nicer 
be more understanding, be more forgiving. But instead, all these other things pile on top of it, like greed and money and power and, you know, like all of these things that that just un are so unnecessary and just get in the way of like the basic core belief of just like being kind to one another. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting too Absolutely. and I Absolutely. Th- the thing that I loved about the article was that call to action at the end of like make more art because Yeah. like even the things I I, I love Disney, it's no secret. But so many characters in that are queer-coded in negative ways. Um, There's anti-Semitism baked into the way that these characters are designed. And, like, obviously there are elements, especially of old Disney, that have not aged well in terms of racial undertones. And when, like, I think there's a point where we can say, okay, we're going to retire this. We love it, but we're going to retire it. And we're going to write something new. And we're going mm-hmm. to include a perspective that hasn't been heard yet. And I think in response to this idea of being kind, I have trouble with that word in, spe- in um, specifics when it comes to this mm. particular topic. Because groomers can be very, very kind. Mm-hmm. And they Good can point. be very charismatic and charming mm. and can charm everybody in the room. And that's why I love the idea of trusting your gut, because even as a child, when I was in this situation, my gut was like, stay as far away from this person as you can. They may be nice because the the thing and I, I want to encourage if there are any adults listening to this, if your child clearly wants to be away from a person, don't tell them to be polite, because whenever I I thank God for my older brother every single day of my life because when I was in those situations I would just go stand right next to him because I knew as long as he was standing next to me I was okay and I never let myself get alone with this person because deep down eight-year-old Julia knew that she was in danger and luckily I, I was in a situation where I had a big brother that I could stand next to not every kid has that because there are adults in the room saying, no, that person's your friend. You can say hi to that person. You can spend time with that person. They can babysit you, right? And so often, I I think we need to give kids tools to say, I am uncomfortable. Get me out of this situation. And whether that's a code word or whatever, just something to give that child a way to communicate with you I know you think this person has no reason to harm me, but I know deep down that they want to. You know, a a sweet, sweet, Mm. sweet plug for one of my favorite podcasts um, is a show called Crime Junkie, which I've already talked about on our podcast. (laughs) But there's a... um, Oh, you're a true crime girl. There's a a motto that they have, um, you know, in certain situations because they are constantly talking about, you know, sexual assault and near murder, you know, like you know, kidnappings, like all of these horrible things. And they always talk about how they, their three things are to be weird, be rude, and stay alive. And they always say that they talk touch on this concept of politeness, mm. of being polite to somebody when somebody is making you uncomfortable. And they're like, why? Why are we being polite? Be freaking weird. Like, literally start chanting, start running around, pretend you're a dragon, (laughs) literally do something so freaking weird that this person is going to think that you're crazy and they're going to leave. They're going to run away because they think that you're nuts and that's what's going to keep you alive. 
yell at that person who is making you uncomfortable. Make them uncomfortable by being so blatantly honest in saying that, like, Mm. you know, you are scanning my body from top to tail. And I just want you to know that, like, you're never going to get in my pants. It's just never going to happen. You are, you know, like you're you're creepy. I don't like the way that you talk to me. I think that there's going to be a lot of negative things that come up in your life. Like, be rude to people because that is ultimately Destroy how you're going to stay alive. Murder them. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Wreck yeah. them. <laughs> I love that. That's such a great point. Yeah. I never really thought of that being um, because because there is that weird sort of idea where you like you have to be polite no matter what. And you're like, no, 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 you're in danger. Fuck that. Fuck that, dude. You're you're in danger. There's no need for you to 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 have to be polite to someone who might be an aggressor. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- thank you both for sharing your insight today. Because yes, ki- kindness when appropriate. Fuck civility politics. Being rude. Listening to survivors. Uh, you know, protecting children. These are these are like the important takeaway messages from this. Because the takeaway is not. <laughs> read fucking act no. age dude it's like the idea that it's it's like we're not we are not recommending this thing and the idea of losing this forever to time i was gonna say it's like if we were like oh my god are we really gonna cancel <laughs> captain underpants or something and like lose it forever but captain underpants is legitimately that a thousand times yeah. better than this piece of shit um so I, I, I want to put that out there. I'm also not going to shame you if you like Act Age, if you're one of our listeners. But Julia, thank you for bringing the conversation about minors into this because we do have adults with children who listen to the podcast. We also have some minors who listen to the podcast. And just whoever you are, wherever you are, my my one addendum is like, listen to the people who are being threatened and let them dictate their own course. Obviously, if it's a, a kid, pr- protect your child. But if they have experienced something I just this week, and it's, cr- it's crazy that... This is coming up. I kind of a, a new bit of uh, a new fact about my own childhood emerged and was kind of uncovered this weekend in a very unexpected and fucked up way. And I had a lot of conversations with my sister about just kind of how do we process this this new trauma. But the 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 important core thing there is allowing the person who is the primary victim to dictate their own path to recovery and path to mm-hmm. confronting this and putting it out there. And so um, that said. Everything that's been said today, I think this is one of my favorite conversations ever on Brotakus. I really do. This is an unbelievable like wealth of wisdom from you, Katie, and you, Julia. And like getting to talk about this topic is so important. And coming together surrounding this is so much more important than this fucking <laughs> Roman Polanski yeah. ass bike bicycling sex weirdo. <laughs> And I'm really glad that some positive stuff has come out of this because I, I, I feel reinvigorated to just be kind and helpful and, and, and putting the good energy out there. So is there anything else you wanted to put uh, out there before we wrap up this, for the day? All four of us on a scale of whack to woke. How would we rate this? How would we rate this? Three, two, one. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I thought you meant us as people. I thought you meant us as people. I was like, I'm, I'm good. But I'm whack. So yeah, no, whack. whack. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It is whack. Uh, that is our we. Oh, that is our rating, our Brotaku's rating for the day. Uh, Katie, Julia, thank you so much. We really, really loved having you on. We can't wait to have you on again in the yeah. future. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you so much. This has been so cool. Yeah, of course. And 
And real quick, yeah, tell yeah, us yeah. a little bit about your podcast. Um, Where can our so listeners actually, find you? actually, you'll be able to hear Brotakus on our podcast coming up soon because <gasps> we're going to be discussing oh, some D&D magic, awesome lesbians. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my description of the show. It's not just a play. It's just about a play. We just love D&D and lesbians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lesbians, how do we feel, guys? But <laughs> whack to one, three to but one. But play date is a little podcast where we we me and Katie have a little play date and we discuss plays and how we might design them and we invite guests and we have a call to action section at the end where we say, okay, we've read this, we've absorbed. What are we gonna do in our daily lives to make this world a better place? Um, and it can be as simple as I'm gonna do my laundry more frequently, or it can be as big as like <laughs> I'm going to make sure to. telling <laughs> <laughs> me to wash my underwear. The biggest message of today's podcast <laughs> is: if you have any questions about underwear, you know where to find us because all of us mm-hmm. have the answers. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pl- the playbook podcast. We're, we're very much uh, the, the the Jordan <laughs> Peterson fan podcast now. Wash your room, clean your James, penis, you wipe your ass. Play you know, really, just get out as there, a kids. Joke or <laughs> I fucked up. It's not called playbook. Play date. Uh, <laughs> play date. Say, say it three play, times so they know. Date. It's play date. It is all one play word. Yeah. Um, play date. All one word. Autocorrect yeah, may yeah, tell you it's not, name. but it is. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you can find play date on literally any any platform anywhere where you get your podcasts. Um, and you can always shoot us an email at uh, podcastplaydate at gmail. Um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, TikTok page is coming. We're working on it. Um, I'm not good at editing TikToks, <laughs> but yes. we're getting there. I have never even had TikTok since its existence, so I have to figure out how to use it. But um, we're going to figure it out, uh, so you can look out for us there, too. Word, 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 word. And I think that's a good place to end word the up. day. So everyone... Thank you all so much for listening. If you liked what you heard and what you saw today, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. It really does make a difference, and every review counts. I'm going to say it one more time. Every review counts. We really do want to hear from you. I'm not just saying that. Every I want to hear from you. I want to know your name. I want to know your likes. I want to know if you have a dog, especially if you have a dog. I want all of this information, and we'll even take pictures of dogs. You know what? Don't rate us. Just send us dog pictures. We're fine with that, too. Um, so it really does make a difference. Every review counts. And we'll make sure to give you a shout-out on the air next time to show our appreciation. And with that said, I'm Hal. And we're the Brotakus. Katie, Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. And for all of you, we'll see you next time. <laughs>